Are you bummed about Halloween being over? Tired of election coverage and just want to shut off your brain for a little while? Avoiding the news or network TV lately? Then stick with us for our mini election week special episode and check this shit out. Folks, welcome to Check This Shit Out. I am your host, Tommy Nuggets. We're going to dive into all kinds of film, music, television, basically anything on my radar. Some of it will just scratch the surface, and sometimes I'll go full-on spoiler mode, dissecting our favorite entertainment even further. I promise to make sure and have tact and not spoil anything new for you. Too many minutes are wasted nightly in homes across the world searching for something to watch or what to listen to, and I'm here to help. To avoid just settling for what's being recommended by current streaming services and popular TV, I think it's worth digging a little deeper into our past to find some good shit that'll stick with you for a while. So much of it is at our disposal, and our access has never been better. So tune in each week, let us do the digging, and check this shit out. We started the season with a legendary horror-thon to honor my favorite holiday and genre, covering 85 films and 93 of the best songs or choice cuts from those films in our first five episodes has got us feeling a little sleepy and ready to get back to some non-horror fare. Horrorthon 20 was a success, and I'm super grateful to anyone who's been with us so far. One of the main reasons I love saturating myself with only horror for almost two months is the appreciation it gives me for other genres in November. As we go forward, you folks will start expecting me to be a nerd about every theme possible when choosing what to watch. After Horrorthon, I like to get back to some of my childhood favorites and classics before again theming it up and going through the small but great collection of Thanksgiving films. For those of you who'd like to celebrate these themes with me, just subscribe to our show and know I will do all the research needed to uncover and resurrect some oft-forgotten gems while you just sit back and relax. So stick with us for a little while, and maybe you'll learn some cool shit along the way. Now we know why we're all here, we can get down to the brass tacks. My favorite question to answer is, what should I watch tonight? Especially to someone with an open mind. Whether it's an old school classic, a new innovation, or something straight out of left field, I love connecting people to the films and tunes that fit the occasion. If I can clue just one person into a good flick they'd never heard of before, or assist anyone in reminiscing over a favorite, then I have done my job. Since we find ourselves on the tail end of an election, we would feel an opportunity was missed if we did not acknowledge it. So we're here for our mini election week special episode and hoping to add some levity to everyone's days and nights. No doubt, whenever there is a presidential election, tensions are at a higher level, but this year takes the cake and things are a little bit different from the norm. Considering the stressful reality many people are facing now, we will keep it light today and hopefully offer a few recommendations to assist your week in being just a little bit better. If nothing else, use this as a guide to save yourself some time and energy next time Movie Night Needs a Hero. After this week's episode, we will take a small break, returning on Tuesday, November 24th, 
just a couple days before Thanksgiving to finish out the second half of the season. Before we jump too far in, we'd like to take a moment and shout out our sponsor, CNS Business Solutions. CNS offers companies access to important business tools like human resources, professional training, and development programs, and can fit today's ever-changing business landscape with on-site and virtual solutions. Stop by their website today at www.cs-businesssolutions.com or check them out on Facebook and Instagram to get started. While you work in your business, let CNS Business Solutions work on your business. Hang till the end today for a look at what's happening in the Cinemaverse, a sneak peek at our next episode, and a recap of today's choice cuts. Also, a quick stat correction from last week that's so important, we'll save it for the end of the show. We're going to keep this week's episode short, sweet, and to the point, very much unlike the current election. Also doing things a little different this time around, and offering our recommendations for some simpler fare that's more mood-based rather than the nightly countdown that was Horrorthon 20. Whether you got the blues from Halloween being over, the election results, or are just COVID-weary, we've got you. If you're happy about the election results, or are just a glass-half-full type motherfucker, then we got you there too. First, I would like to make a quick mention of my inspiration for the next segment. The American version of The Office ran for nine years and yielded 188 episodes. In my opinion, the show took a sharp dive in quality when star Steve Carell left, but it still remains one of those series that's just easy to watch before bed or as a quick time filler when you don't want to search for something. It launched the careers of many cast members who were pretty unknown at the time and cemented Steve Carell as a legend. Carell's Michael Scott was on a whole other level of dumbass, childish, and self-centered while still offering some wisdom and sound advice from time to time. I was reminded of this during a recent pre-horrorthon office binge in Season 7, Episode 13, titled Ultimatum. In this episode, Michael Scott plans for the return of his ex Holly and word of the ultimatum she gave her current boyfriend. Michael himself, knowing he has a tendency to overreact, has Pam assist him in creating two types of boxes that will be chosen based on his emotion. One is the happy box filled with treats for victory, and the other is a sad box filled with soothing items in case of defeat. With the stakes and stress of the political environment right now, I thought we could build a couple boxes today. One for happy, and one for sad. Let's start with the sad box. This is a worst case scenario situation. Again, you're bummed for whatever reason, and maybe need a little aid to get you through the next couple days. I think everyone has that one film that makes them feel better. That sick day movie when you're miserable on the couch with the flu, or a cold, or after a terrible election. For me, my go-tos on a day like this are 12 Monkeys, which is an awesome end-of-the-world sci-fi thriller from 1995, directed by the excellently bizarre Terry Gilliam and starring Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt, 12 Monkeys deals with time travel, a global viral plague, and bioterrorism. The bleak setting of the futuristic world that has been ravaged by a viral outbreak always helps me to put into perspective whatever real-world problems are going on around me. Even though we are in the middle of an outbreak, it ain't this bad. Yet. 
A few choice cuts can be found here as Bruce Willis travels back to 1990 and is blown away by the beauty of the music from the 20th century. Those cuts are What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong, Blueberry Hill by Fats Domino, Sleepwalk by B.J. Cole, and The Earth Died Screaming by Tom Waits. Another go-to film of mine for a crappy day is The Princess Bride, which is silly and over-the-top, but a great way to mend the blues as you lose yourself in its fantasy world for an hour and a half. Starring Carrie Ells, Robin Wright, Mandy Pantinkin, and some scene-stealing performances from Andre the Giant, Billy Crystal, and the inconceivable Wallace Shawn. This 1987 gem was directed by Rob Reiner and would become a cult classic for its light-hearted approach to the oftentimes dark fantasy genre. Top-notch dialogue, keep this one quotable for generations to come. I do not think this word means what you think it means. Everyone who was involved with this picture has since proclaimed how magical and fun of a time they had while on set. Carrie Ells even wrote a book called As You Wish, which was a memoir full of stories from the filming and is a great read for fans of The Princess Bride. A choice cut can be found here in Mark Knopfler's storybook Love, which is a little sappy, but hey, remember, this is for the sad box. Knopfler, of Dire Straits fame, also arranged and created the film's score to great success. When watching The Princess Bride, the score plays as vital of a role as the actors do and should help you perk up a bit. My favorite film to watch, or my secret weapon when I'm bummed out, is 2005 Cinderella Man. Directed by Ron Howard and starring Russell Crowe, Paul Giamatti, and Renee Zellweger. Who the fuck is Renee Zellweger? For you Chappelle show loyalists. The plot is pretty simple and loosely based on true events with Crowe playing James J. Braddock, a boxer with a promising career who is moving up through the ranks. After breaking his hand and attempting to fight injured for a while, Braddock's life and everyone else in America is turned upside down at the start of the Great Depression. Going from a successful pugilist and business owner with a beautiful home filled with lots of things to an injured longshoreman looking for daily menial labor and barely holding on to what little his family has left. On a fluke shot and after allowing his injury to heal, the bulldog of Bergen gets a chance at another fight and stuns the boxing world with a completely unexpected victory. Feeling the desperation of possibly losing his family to the Depression and the stinging pride of a former champion, Braddock fights his way back through the ranks on his way to face a dangerous champ in Max Bear. After reaching the depths of poverty and clawing his way back up through the boxing ranks, Braddock becomes a symbol of hope for the downtrodden society all around him. While the in-film current champ Bear represents everything wealthy, decadent, and obscene. Important side note here, while much of the film is based on the true story of James J. Braddock's return to boxing glory after falling so far during the events of the Depression, the portrayal of Max Bear here is criminally inaccurate. The film depicts Bear, played by Craig Bierko, as a monster who relishes the fact that he has killed two men in the ring. In real life, the one in-ring death caused by Bear was something he felt deeply remorseful for and was a heavy burden on him throughout the rest of his career. While the villainous portrayal of the champ may have made the film slightly more salacious, Bear's real family took great exception to his depiction, and I can't blame them at all. Getting back to the film, Braddock's character and his rise from the ashes was such an inspiration to the common man that he was given the moniker of Cinderella Man in the newspapers. Living up to the name and the hopes laid upon him, Braddock defeats the seemingly unbeatable champ and becomes the new heavyweight champion of the world. 
Of course, much redemption and inspiration can be found in his athletic comeback, but the real stuff in this film that makes you feel better on a bad day are the scenes dealing with Braddock's family and his unrelenting struggle to hold them together. Two scenes in particular that really hit you in the feel zone are Braddock finding out his wife has sent his kids to live with a relative after promising his oldest son they would never do that, and an emotional scene with a room full of wealthy boxing professionals who are semi-reluctant to give the hat in hand Braddock any of the charity he desperately needs to get his kids back. As our boxer passes his collection hat around the room, he approaches his manager Joe, played by the awesome Paul Giamatti, with his head down to say he's sorry. Joe, pissed off that such a strong man has been forced to go this route, says to him, what the hell do you have to be sorry about? It always gets me right in the gut. While these scenes can bring you down, the real-life triumph and return from the abyss is what will truly bring your spirits back up. I used to watch this film when I was struggling with finances, and it would always make me feel better about my life in comparison to the tumultuous circumstances faced during the Great Depression. You don't have to be a huge fan of boxing to enjoy Cinderella Man, just a fan of redemption who can enjoy a comeback. Other films you can throw in your sad box for a little inspiration or motivation are Hustle and Flow and 8 Mile, both flicks that bring you down low before launching your spirits back up again and staying there till the end. I won't dive too deep into these films now as I'll cover both of them more in depth in another episode but they're both great cures for the blues for anyone who is hip-hop inclined and are filled with amazing choice cuts. Lastly, I would make sure your sad box is filled with some cheat day snacks and treats, maybe a gram or seven of your favorite herbal supplement, or a bottle of your favorite liquid sorrow chaser. Something light to keep your mind busy wouldn't hurt either. I like horror-themed coloring books, but that's just me. Now we move on to our happy box. You're either thrilled with the election results, ready to move on from Halloween, or just got it going on. Either way, it's good to be you. You need a happy box sitting somewhere ready to go because in your current manic state, it'd be hard to think clearly. Now is the time when it may be fitting to get a little silly or look back on some fond memories. Here's what we got for you. We kicked the happy times off on the silly side with Team America World Police from 2004. Written by Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and Pam Barker of South Park fame, Team America is an extremely over-the-top satire which pokes fun at the U.S.'s involvement in the global theater. Like an episode of South Park, Parker and Stone's voices and music are heard left and right, while they poke fun at both the left and right, using cliches left and right. They even thought of including George W. Bush and John Kerry in the cast, but wanted the film to be about the laughs and not the politics. They did include big names like George Clooney, Alec Baldwin, Martin Sheen, Samuel L. Jackson, and even Kim Jong-il, amongst many others. How could they include such large names in politics in Hollywood at the time, you may ask? Oh yeah, the entire cast of the film are marionette puppets, and they used a production style called Super Marionation which also uses electronics within the puppets to move their lips with the dialogue. So of course, the actors are not playing themselves, nor doing their voices. Some of the celebrities that Parker and Stone sent up were people they truly disliked, like Michael Moore, and some they were just poking fun at, like Matt Damon. Most of the celebs were pretty good sports about it all, excluding Sean Penn, who sent them a letter that ended with, Fuck you. Using the clunky puppets on strings gives Team America a humorous edge in just about every scene. 
hand-to-hand combat with the best martial arts expert Detroit has to offer, high-speed chases with terrorists, even a very graphic sex scene are all done with puppeteers pulling the strings with no attempt made to hide that fact. On top of the spoofing of big-budget action flicks and American patriotism, Team America could be considered a musical with all of its song and dance numbers. Humor, irony, and a few hilarious and catchy tunes make this flick a no-brainer guilty pleasure that's sure to give you some laughs when you're already in celebration mode. America! Fuck yeah! If near NC-17 puppet sex doesn't quite get you laughing, but you like the idea of a musical during your celebration, I say dig deep and throw your favorite musical on. While it's not my favorite subgenre, I have been known to get down to Greece, Willy Wonka, and my favorite musical of all time, Little Shop of Horrors. Whatever works to make you happy works as an addition to your happy box. If you're like me and you've been neglecting football season to keep up with the recently completed horrorathon, then a big heartwarming football flick like Rudy or Remember the Titans would be a nice, feel-good way to get back into a regular watching schedule. While we won't be diving too deep into those titles at the moment, they both honor the tenacity of the human spirit and make you feel good by the time they're finished. If you're looking for something a little more nostalgic, then look no further. While brainstorming this episode, I decided a legendary and ageless franchise would be needed for the happy box. Something that reminded me of simpler times and watching flicks on Sundays with my family as a kid. Franchises like Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, and Star Wars all come to mind, and we will absolutely get to those sometime down the road. Another one that was a Sunday favorite in my home was the James Bond 007 films. In light of the recent passing of Sir Thomas Sean Connery on Halloween Day, we are going to take a look at his first entry as our favorite MI6 agent in 1962's Dr. No. Based on Ian Fleming's 1958 novel of the same name, this film launched the career of Connery, created a new craze in the secret agent subgenre, and established many of the pieces we have come to expect in a 007 feature. The franchise's theme music, the use of a highly visual opening title sequence, and Bond's introduction through the POV of a gun barrel were all implemented in this first film. The premise is simple here, as that is why this particular Fleming novel was chosen as a starting point for the franchise. The whole story takes place in Jamaica, unlike all of the jet setting in later entries, and there is an obvious absence of the gadgets we would later see. An MI6, or British intelligence agent, is killed at his station in Jamaica, and Connery's suave yet brutish bond is sent to investigate. After being met with a chilly reception and an assassination attempt, Bond goes further into the rabbit hole, landing him in the secret underground base of Dr. No. This mad scientist is using radio beams to interfere with the American space launches in hopes of starting a U.S.-Russian war. Taking place during the height of the Cold War, even a story dealing with British operatives would capitalize on the world's real fear of any nuclear conflict between the U.S. and Russia. Throwing some fisticuffs while destroying the base, Connery remains cool and calm as he saves the world from global warfare and, of course, gets the girl. The Scotsman's first portrayal of what would become one of cinema history's most beloved heroes set the bar for all competing secret agent films and any Bond to follow in his footsteps. Connery would go on to play Bond in the next four films, eventually totaling seven entries at the time of his retirement from the character. He was as classy and debonair as they come, 
while still conveying a sense of power and control. Author Ian Fleming was at first opposed to the casting decision with Connery, until seeing him in the film and admitting he was perfectly cast. Connery would go on to be the most beloved Bond and would enjoy an illustrious and diverse career for many decades. We will go more in depth with all the 007 films at a later time, but we wanted to honor the iconic actor's legacy with a nod to one of his best. If your current mood is irrelevant and you just want to keep honoring this great artist, then some of my favorite films of his are 1986's Highlander, 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, 1990's The Hunt for Red October, 96's The Rock, 99's Entrapment, and 2000's Finding Forrester. All great films to mix in once finished with the Bond classics and ample evidence of the range this great actor could operate within. So now you've got your happy box containing a couple different films to match the mood you may be feeling. I would also recommend throwing some treats, snacks, or celebratory devices similar to the ones in the sad box, but not everyone's good mood will be worth burning a cheat day, so you do you. Whether you're happy or sad about the election results, or the current state of things, I would implore you to just be good to your neighbors, and humanity should be okay. Now imagine this. In a dystopian world ravaged by a viral pandemic, Political dissidents are quickly silenced and removed by a fascist and totalitarian regime which has total control of its people. Fed propaganda and racially supremacist rhetoric, the citizens have lost their freedoms and their voice in the government. Some may be visualizing a world we seem to be creeping towards, but the world I am actually speaking of is that in 2005's V for Vendetta. This fictional version of England is set in the future where a virus has ravaged the planet, and Britain is one of the last vestiges of society standing strong. The strength comes at a price as we see the anarchist V terrorizing those in charge and lighting a fire under the asses of the oppressed people. In the spirit of Guy Fawkes and the day in history his deeds have been celebrated, our protagonist wears a fox mask and implores his people to remember, remember the 5th of November. Written for the screen by the Wachowskis of Matrix fame, with masterful acting by Hugo Weaving and Natalie Portman, this film seems to become more and more relevant as each year and each Guy Fawkes Day passes, allowing for its cult appeal to grow since release. Even though the content is quite serious here, a choice cut can still be found in Cry Me a River by Julie London. V for Vendetta is absolutely better interpreted by viewing yourself rather than hearing me or anyone else talk about it, as it can evoke some pretty serious emotions that seem to be relevant to the current state of the world. Since much of the film's premise is based on the acts of Guy Fawkes, I highly recommend watching V for Vendetta on Thursday, November 5th, as I will also be doing. Many political groups have used this film as a metaphor for government oppression, which we can all agree will never lead to a good outcome no matter who you support. One of my favorite quotes in V for Vendetta, or any film dealing with touchy political subjects, is this from our main hero V. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. You're damn right, V. Side note here, I like to name my dogs after my favorite characters from film and music artists. My chihuahua's name is Elvis, and my beagle Evie is named after Natalie Portman's character Evie Hammond, who undergoes an amazing transformation and revelation in this film. My beagle is not as revolutionary, but I love her just the same. Whatever happens in the coming days, weeks, and even months are very important, 
but also quite taxing on our psyches. Sometimes I wish we could just take the remote from that Adam Sandler movie click and fast forward through all this shit. No matter what happens or how things shake out, we can get through this in unity and in the words of the great and wise Tupac Shakur, keep your head up. So there it is, friends, your viewing recommendations for the week of the 2020 U.S. election with a few days thrown in for good measure. Watching a lineup like this or any other variation made to your happy or sad boxes should give you the perfect mix of films and tunes to get you through these unsure times. Current events in the cinemaverse are still somewhat slow but starting to come back to life. Releasing theatrically on Friday, November 6th is the promising-looking mystery drama Let Him Go, starring Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. The Bloomhouse-produced horror comedy Freaky, starring Vince Vaughn, will be releasing in theaters on Friday, November 13th. And also this week, we got a look at the newly released official trailer for the Michael Bay-produced film Songbird. This film is based on the idea of the pandemic lingering and worsening for four more years and comes out sometime in 2021. While this topic may be a little too fresh and on the nose for some, the trailer is intriguing and the film has potential. Without having seen it yet, I do worry about the belying layer of propaganda that goes with it, but we'll hold that judgment until after viewing. COVID permitting, we will try and update you with known release schedules, but they can change on a dime. Recapping this week's choice cuts, we have What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong, Blueberry Hill by Fats Domino, Sleepwalk by B.J. Cole, The Earth Died Screaming by Tom Waits, Storybook Love by Mark Knopfler, and Cry Me a River by Julie London. Don't forget our Spotify listeners can access our Check This Shit Out Choice Cuts playlist I've curated for the recently completed Horrorthon 20. While this playlist is full of cuts from our favorite horror selections, it's still got some great tunes for the rest of the year and will appease the most horror-rabid fans while they're in music mode. The playlist is open to the public on Spotify and has a long title, Check This Shit Out with Tommy Nuggets Horrorthon 20 Choice Cuts. You can also click the link to it in our show notes, which is much easier. Currently, it's mostly in the order of the films that we covered, and I hope you like it. All of this info and a list of films can be found in our show notes. Also, as mentioned in the beginning of the show, we have a correction from last week's episode. While talking about Halloween 2, we erroneously stated that Dr. Loomis shot Michael six times with a 38, when in fact, Loomis was using a Smith & Wesson Model 15. Our bad. Well, that's all for us this week here, my friends. We hope you had a great time and enjoyed our mini Election Week special episode, as we surely did. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow our show. Find us on Facebook at CTSO with Tommy Nuggets for any comments, recommendations, or just to see what we've got going on. Check us out Tuesday, November 24th, as we return for the second half of our season with some Thanksgiving recommendations juicier than your mama's turkey and more enjoyable than the fruitcake grandma's always bringing over. I am Tommy Nuggets, and thanks again for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, CNS Business Solutions, and thanks to technology for crippling our ability to make easy decisions on what to watch each and every night, leaving a void for you to check this shit out. Good day. Good day.